0: Well, hey, we're going to jump right in. I invite you to take your worship guide and flip it over or you can go to the Timber Creek Church app and you can take notes right there digitally and then mail them to yourself or mail them to a friend and say, I wish you were here, you needed to hear this, bless God, and whatever you want to do. Uh, but we're going to take notes and we're going to be talking about uh, 2 Kings 4, 38-41. It is a story tucked away in the book of Kings and I love I love the, the The the, the books of Kings and Samuel and Chronicles, there's a a lot of really cool, interesting stories. And you can follow along in the Bible there, or you can follow along on the the television screen here. We'll we'll make it easy for you. Uh, But I encourage you, read the Bible. Now, when you read the Bible, there are things that are prescriptive and things that are descriptive. Not everything that's descriptive is prescriptive, okay? You wouldn't prescribe it to your life. It's more of a description of what's going on. Other times we think it's just a description, but it really is a prescription. So what we want to do is we want to become knowers and doers of the word of God so that we know how to describe what God is doing and then also prescribe His Word to our everyday life. And what I love about the teachings of the Word of God, inspired, breathed by God and collected uh, from from 40 different authors over 1,500 years on three different continents, the unifying message of the Word of God is so powerful, so beautiful. And we can take a story that is a couple thousand years old, several thousand years old, and we can pull from it uh, some, some prescriptions or handlebars for everyday living. And the story surrounds itself with a prophet named Elisha and his crew, his protege, his, uh, his leadership college, if you will, called the Company of the Prophets. And here's the story. Let me read it to you. Elisha had returned to Gilgal. It's kind of a hometown there. And there was a famine in that region. So let's situate the, 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 the kind of the, uh, what's the conflict? No food. When there's no food... People get crazy, all right? When the pantries are empty, you're not you when you're hungry, and they haven't had a Snickers bar in a while, okay? There's famine in the region, so that's the kind of the overarching theme. It it helps you make sense to what happens next. The company of the prophets was meeting with him. This is his leadership college. He's gathered some guys together, and they are teaching Uh, They are working. They're they're going to be learning how to do work. And and they're basically going to Bible school together. And so as as they've gathered, as they're going through their teaching, you know, it gets to be lunchtime. And and here's what what Elisha does. Elisha says to a servant, hey, put on the large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. They're hungry. I want them to eat something. Now, they say, Yes, sir. Right, right, right away. Right away. Um, you don't really second guess Elisha. Elisha's pretty, pretty intense, bro. Um, when you read the different stories of, of Elisha, he was really intense. In fact, there's one story. Elisha was bald. I'm getting there. I'm becoming Elisha one day at a time um elisha was bald and 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 these kids kind of came out was like what's up baldy and they're kind of making fun of them and elisha scolded them and out came a bear and it ate the children like that's not the kind of the story you know you like lead with okay it's like okay kids today in kid works we're gonna talk about bears eating children oh that's like now i lay me down to sleep it's not that it's not the bible still like it's a crazy story it's not the bible story you like tell your three-year-old at night you know you wanted to have a bible story <laughs> okay i digress Elisha's intense, so they're going to do what Elisha says do. They're going to say, yes, sir, absolutely. We don't know what we're going to cook because we're in a famine, but yes, absolutely. So one of them trying to please Elisha or the chef or whoever, one of them went out into the fields to gather herbs. You know, they wanted a cool herb chili. They were getting all the stuff together, and they found a wild vine, and they picked as many of its gourds. It wasn't one. It wasn't two. It was as many of its gourds as his garment could hold. In other words, there was this crazy wild vine, and you'd think if you're in the middle of the famine, that vine would have been picked clean. But no, this unassuming, innocent, naive college student went to the vine and said, look at all these gourds. And his entire garment he begins to grab in his jacket, puts as many gourds as possible, and takes them back. Now here's what's, that's strange, but here's an even stranger moment that you may not notice. It's that when he returned, he cut them up. You know, uh, <coughs> he cuts them all up into the pot of stew, though no one knew what they were. It's like the head chef's like, "What you got?" He's like, "Uh, "It's, I don't know." Okay, put it in there. (laughs) I was like, "What is that?" I don't know. It says strychnine. I don't don't, know. Just put, put it in there. Whatever. I don't know what it is. No one knew what they were. The stew was poured out for the men. Can you imagine? They were so excited. They'd been in a famine. Elisha's awesome. Give us our chili. Elisha's awesome. Don't call a bear on us. No, I'm mean, It's like as they begin to eat it, though, there was something wrong. And they cried out, man of God. Do you see what that is? M-O-G. Not OMG. M-O-G. There is death in the pot. It's poisoned. And they could not eat it. Now, Elisha hears him crying out. It was craziness in the cafeteria. And Elisha, what does he do? Does he say, stick your finger down your throat and throw it up or, or go, go chew on this charcoal or it'll help consume whatever's in there? Like, or did he say, I've got some essential oils. You'll never believe it. It's so good. It helps with the poison. You got to try this. Mm, smell it. It's just so good. Put it in the thing. <laughs> Dear Lord, essential oil for everything. In life, oh, my iPhone's acting up. I got an essential oil for that. (laughs) (laughs) Elisha could have told him to do a lot of different things. Here's what he says. It's it's something weird. It's it's foreign. It's not normal. He says, get some flour. Get some flour. And so they put it into the pot. Elisha put it into the pot. And then here's what's even crazier. He said to them, serve it to the people to eat. Whoa, we've just been choking on the poison. All you did was add flour, and now you're asking us to trust you and eat the soup that was just now making us crazy? But the truth is, God was at work, and there was nothing harmful in the pot. I want to take this old story... And learn what Jesus wants to teach us today. Would you close your eyes, all locations, and let's pray. Father, the next few moments we have, thank you that your word is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, the scripture says faithful are the wounds of a friend. It doesn't mean that they'll always wound you. It means that they're willing to speak something to you that might cut you, but it will make you better. Like a surgeon who says, I can help you, but I have to cut you open and fix you in order to help you. Lord, that's what your word does. It cuts us open, shows us where we need to learn or where we need to grow, or maybe cancer that's inside. And what you do is you add to us what we need. You take away what's necessary and you add what is needed. I pray that you would do that at all our locations today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Have you, raise your hands all locations. Have you ever uh, tried something to eat and you were excited it looked good it may have even smelled good but when you ate it it was not what you expected and it was terrible anybody yeah yeah hands hands at all locations okay i love missionary work I was in Africa a few years ago speaking to a, a group of 4,000 pastors. One of the highlights of my life, it was a miracle that God, God gave me a vision when I was 12 years old, called into the ministry, and actually it was, the, it was the imagery of that platform many years later standing there speaking, and it was how God kind of told the 12-year-old boy, I, I want you to preach for me. Would you, would you do that with your life and at 12 years old, then later at 36, he, he gave me the opportunity to, to kind of see that vision fulfilled. And as I was with those pastors one night after preaching, they served something. It looked like tiny little onion rings. And it was called offal. And I want to tell you, it's, it tasted just like it sounded. It was offal. I expected it to be an onion ring, it was chopped up uh, goat intestines. Like, you know, you take an intestine, you just. Put a little put that little little bacon grease in there. It was nice. No, it wasn't. It was awful. It was awful. When I was a kid, I remember waking up Saturday morning. Anybody remember Saturday morning cartoons? Bless God. Kids don't even understand today. You don't even know. You don't even know the struggle. Having to wait till Saturday to watch your cartoon. Having to having to watch something called commercials. Kids these days. Spoilt. What they are. We wait till Saturday to watch our cartoons. Didn't come on. We didn't have like the cartoon network. Okay. We didn't have YouTube. We just had Saturday morning cartoons selling you Rice Krispies. Anyway. Saturday morning, went to the kitchen, Monette, Missouri, growing up there. My dad was a pastor, opened up the kitchen, and there was a bowl of mashed potatoes. I love hot mashed potatoes. I love cold mashed potatoes. I like garlic mashed potatoes. I like ranch mashed potatoes. I like, I, like, I like bacon and cheese and sour cream in my mashed potatoes, and I can eat it all day, every day. Bless God for mashed potatoes. Don't you try and trick me with none of that keto junk with some mashed-up cauliflower. Dear God, Satan, get behind me. For God so loved the world, he did not trick you with keto cauliflower. But that day, I took the bowl of mashed potatoes, I sat in my chair, and I was watching Saturday morning cartoons, and I took a big old spoon, and what I ate was not what I expected because my mom had saved some bacon grease to use later I was immediately anointed I was like oh, it tastes like bacon just kept on no I'm kidding I didn't do that my daughter's 16 now d- drove to church for the first time with our son oh we were speaking in tongues all morning when she was a, a little one we were living in another house um, here in Lufkin uh, she, we, they weren't. our kids aren't allowed just to go to the, to the fridge and just pull out whatever they want, eat whatever they want, whenever they want. Then they don't eat supper. They don't eat lunch. and just snacking on this or snacking on that. And, and, and she knew the rule, you, you, if you want something, just ask. If you want something, just ask. And I walked around the corner, and sh- the, 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 the door to the refrigerator was open, and she had a crazy, scared look on her face because what she had intended to do is she had pulled out an IBC root beer bottle, and she was going to take a swig of a, of a of a root beer but instead of grabbing a root beer bottle she grabbed the worcestershire the worcestershire whatever it is <laughs> and if you've ever seen these you know unwrapped they they look an awful they look an awful lot alike <laughs> you know a root beer bottle and so she had Get that off the camera here. Get, them, get that trash out of here. Get she she had a swig of worship. By the way, did you know that one of the ingredients in here is anchovies? I, I just made your day, and some of you I just ruined your seasoning. I'm sorry about that. And she she's like, I said, What'd you do? And I see the bottle in like two and two, and she just goes, and just like just lets it drink. Wasn't what she expected. I, I titled this message, does this taste funny to you? It reminds me of the old, uh, the old joke, two cannibals were at a carnival and they were eating a clown and one of them looked at the other and said, Jerry, does this taste funny to you? <laughs> eating a clown, Anyway, oh, sorry, you're welcome. <laughs> Here all week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right, I got to stop because I actually got to get to the word. Let's preach the word, Okay. I wonder in life if what you've expected you didn't experience. If ever there was a time where finally when I get out of the house and I make my own decisions, I'm going to show them I can do it. And then you, you get responsible for stuff and you say, whoa, maybe, may, maybe I should have listened to mom a little more. Or you don't understand. I'm fine. I can make. And then, oh, wait, maybe there was some wisdom there. Or your expectations of what marriage should look like or could look like. And three years in, you're going, I had a different expectation. Your, your hopes were, were dashed because what you expected after this or after that or, or later in life, what you, ex- what you expected and what you experienced are two different things. I can only imagine the, the moment where they were so excited to eat this chili and only to, in a few moments, feel that sensation of, of scared, life-threatening. Their throats are tightening up and they, they're, they're being poisoned by whatever kind of death is in the pot. Several ways we could go on this message, but I just want to give you some practical handlebars that, that you can apply to today. You can apply to Monday. Here they are. Number one, write it down. Careful what you delegate careful what you delegate the head chef should have stopped for a minute and said where'd you get those gourds how in the world in the middle of the famine did you find 74 gourds whoa 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 before you put that in the stew you know i know we put a sock in for salt we don't have any salt we put a sock in that's fine but where'd you get the gourds where'd you get the gourds i don't know i just found them okay no careful what you you delegate can I say something to you in life? Write this down. Not everyone is qualified to add into your life, in, in, into the, the stew that is you, okay? Into the stew that is you. Not everyone is equally qualified to add in. But how many people in the mixture that is you, you have allowed that person, that school bully, that person in college, that boss, that neighbor, that relative, that mom that was, that, that, that was, was, cold and disciplined or maybe the mom that was very very warm but no discipline like 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 parents you got to have warmth and you got to have direction but sometimes when we go easy on the warmth and high on the direction we have high control but there's little love or we can have all love oh you killed somebody well boys will be boys (laughs) like you also got to have you know direction and, and 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 responsibility my friend Melissa, who helped lead worship at the Lufkin location today, she says it like this. Like, like don't, don't, don't let other people choose your tattoo. They, they ink you like that. And that's what people do, though. We take words and, and we let people that are disqualified add into the stew of our life. And it becomes who we are. And all of a sudden, for years, we're trying to win the approval of somebody besides Jesus. And that's who we're supposed to be living for. Not everyone's qualified to add into your life. Furthermore, there's just some things you can't delegate that only your response. Look, you can delegate the cleaning of your house. Don't, don't feel that pressure. If you can pay for it, delegate it. Okay? You can, delega- you can delegate responsibilities left and right. But here's some things you can't delegate you can't delegate love. Nobody can love your kids for you. No, no, no. Spouses, husbands, nobody ought to love your wife the way you love your wife. Because if you delegate that, there are dangerous consequences ahead. Wives, love your husbands. When we don't do it, they, 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 they ought to be responsible and not put a wheel in the ditch. But also, also careful what you delegate. Here's how we show love. Gary Chapman, author, Christian author, Christian uh, counselor, talks about the five love languages uh, in a book with the same name. And he talks about uh, quality time is a way we show love. You know how those people, some people are married to someone, your your love language, the way you speak love is through quality time. I just want to spend time with you. Will you spend time with me? Can we just hang out? Can we just sit on the couch and just watch it? Can we just talk? I just want to talk. Can we just talk? Quality time is good. It's good. Maybe, you're, maybe your language isn't quality time, but your spouse's is. Guess what language you need to learn? Quality time. You need to learn the language. All right? Or there's going to be what we have, a little communication problem. Acts of service is another language. Where it may be that you're like, I just want to spend time with you. But your spouse, their, their, their language is acts of service. So they, it, it, it's cooking the meal or it's fixing the fence. And you're like, well, you just talk to me. Like, nah, I'm fixing, I'm plumb, fixing this plumbing issue, you know? Like People have different love languages. Gift giving. I saw this. I couldn't help but think of you. I bought it. I just wanted to give it to you. I just had you in mind. You know those people. They're just gift givers. As people in the church, you, you, you're you gift givers. And you do that. I can think of a particular lady that I, I get cards from a lot. I can tell her her gift is is gift giving. Her love is gift giving. Words of affirmation. I'm, I'm kind of a I like words of affirmation. I need to do better at giving them. I need to do better at speaking that language. But, but that's a love language for me. And the fifth one is not the, the least important. They're all equally important, but it's, it's physical touch. And, and, and physical touch, yes, you know, it has to do with, with sexual intimacy. But it's not just, you know, that. It, it, it's, the, it's the holding the hand. It, it, it's, it's the patting the back. It, it's the hug. It, it, it's, our, it's our 11-year-old son who loves to have his back scratched. Will you just scratch my back, just scratch my back. You just put a hand on his back, he's like this. (laughs) Go dad, go, no, under the shirt, under the shirt. We're at school, I don't care. Under the shirt, dad. It's either love language or we have bed bugs, one or the other. (laughs) So, parenting, you cannot delegate your parenting. I mean, you can try, you can try careful what you delegate though and not everyone is qualified to add into your kid's life it's why you need to be cautious about what they're watching cautious about what they're seeing cautious about the kind of control mechanisms you put because you are putting a world of dangerous poison in their pocket when you allow them an ipad an iphone or whatever other thing in their pocket without any control mechanisms are there beautiful things they can do yeah can you get them to shut up for an hour you bet but careful what you delegate. Careful what you delegate. Parents, people are lining up down the block to talk to your kids about sex and it's happening younger and younger and younger and younger. Some of you all of a sudden froze because you got like a sixth grader with you in the room. Sorry. We have to have important conversations. You cannot delegate, because I want to tell you something. You delegate that conversation, somebody's going to have it for you, someone a whole lot less qualified than you. Discipline is a key component of parenting that we cannot delegate to a school or just to one parent where that parent becomes the, the you know, just wait till your dad gets home. All of a sudden, dad comes in, and all you know is he's the disciplinarian. Uh, my, my My kids need to know my hands um, will we'll love them, but, but also correct, yeah, also discipline. Spiritual direction. Uh, this is where it gets a little twisted in the church because we want to be the best partner a parent can have. We want to be the best partner, but we are a terrible substitute for a parent leading their children spiritually. I want to lead my children spiritually. I just don't even know where to start. Well, guess what? Your God-given potential is our mission. And we want to help you take next steps from being a part of a group to starting point to the grow track process to encounter. If you feel disqualified, guess what? Me too. Me too, okay? But it doesn't mean that I should then delegate the responsibility just to the church. I've gotta learn. I gotta, be, I gotta feel the pressure of not delegating the spiritual direction of my family to a Sunday morning service, to the pastor that's preaching a sermon and that's all the spiritual discipline we get. You, you can do it. You can do it, parents. You can do it, mom. You can do it, dad. You can do it, teenager. You don't have to wait for the youth ministry on a Wednesday night. You don't have to wait for that small group. You don't have to wait for a Sunday morning service. You you can chase out. In fact, my personal relationship with Jesus, you can't delegate that to a pastor or a church or a feel-good moment in a church service. Guess how how you develop the relationship with Jesus? You know how you do that? Love language. Quality time with Jesus. Spending time in the presence of God with other believers. That's quality time. It's quality time well spent. Acts of service serving on a dream team, finding a way to, to, to leverage the giftings God given, God has given you to serve. Gift giving. when we get, put God first in our finances, in, in our time and in our talents, when we put God first in those things, it's a, it's a gift to God. Words of affirmation. when we worship God, you're so good. When we sing that song together, you know what, we're just, it's words of affirmation, and God receives it, and he gives it, pours it back on us. And then the physical touch, whoa, Jesus is spirit. He's not like in the flesh. What do you mean physical touch? That's a little, that's a little, Jesus says it like this. When you feed someone who's hungry and you give someone something, to, somebody to drink, something who's thirsty. And when you, you, you visit somebody in prison or they're naked and you clothe them, it's like you've done it unto me. That, so when we get busy with, with the physical pieces of being the hands and feet of Jesus, it is showing the love of Jesus to the world. I am preaching better than you responded, I know you're responding, Lufkin. I know you're responding better in Agadoches. Now, come on. <laughs> There's something powerful About making sure we don't delegate the most important things. So question, is there anything I've neglected or by default delegated that I need to take responsibility of now? You cannot fix yesterday but stop trying to drive today in the rearview mirror. Some of you, that's the issue. You're you're trying to live life eyes focused in the rearview. That is a recipe for disaster. You're going to wreck but what you can do, you can't necessarily fix yesterday, but what you can do is decide today, as for me in my house, as for me in this moment, as for me and tomorrow, we're not, I'm not going to delegate the spiritual things. I'm not going to neglect the most important things. Don't be afraid of failure. Be afraid of succeeding in little bitty things that in the end of life don't even matter. The little stuff. Don't delegate the most important things. You still with me so far? Number two, good intentions do not guarantee harmless actions, Okay. I mean, what was this guy thinking? It's a famine. Keith shouldn't have got those gourds. We'll call him Keith. We th- I don't know. We don't know his name. I like to think of anybody that's unnamed in the Bible, like Keith or Skyler or whatever cool name. Okay. So here he does. He gets these v- gourds, and as they're all choking, you know, probably the head chef is looking over to Keith, and Keith's like, looking around, what did I do, you know? And, 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 and one of the chefs says, what were you, th- what, what were you thinking? And, and Keith probably said what we've all said a time or two or 12. How many have ever said this? It seemed like a good idea at the time. In fact, all locations, say it out loud with me. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, you know those people. I don't know. Seemed like a good idea at the time to jump the bike over the car, Okay. Seemed like a good idea to jump off the barn when I was 10. Seemed like a good idea. These were college students, you know. I mean, three of my seven years of college, what was, just a joke, I, it was four, but but um, three of the, three of my years were saying that to myself and to my girlfriend, who I married, and to the dean of students, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Like, it just, I made some dumb things. I'll tell you one story, and that was... I was an RA, resident assistant at a Christian university. I was in charge of about 70 guys on a dorm room in a dormitory. And I was responsible for the spiritual direction of that of that group of guys, also make, check checking the, the list, making sure um, they were in for curfew. We had curfew, making sure their rooms were, were where, you know, what they needed to be. And also, like, on Sundays, we had to go to church, so I had to walk through and, like, you know, uh, check to make sure they weren't hiding in in, in in their room. They had to go to church. Bless God, you're going to go to church, you know. And then I'd kick everybody out and go take a nap and skip church. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. But But... One night, it was late, it was a Wednesday night, and it seemed like a good idea at the time. We were all bored, and the guys were saying, Let's pull a prank on somebody, let's pull a prank. And I had done something in high school that I thought, Well, we could kind of try this. And I said, Hey, 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 I've got an idea give me a list, of, give me a piece of paper, give me the phone number of your girlfriends. Now, for, for those of you, this was back in the, in the late 90s, is before we really had cell phones. We did have cell phones, but you had to like, it was huge and you had to like wear a fanny pack with a big old battery in it, and it was a cord to the fanny pack to hold the, the phone. Didn't quite have cell phones back then, but we did have those really cool AT&T cordless phones that were, were gray and white, and they had an antenna like seven foot long. You go click, 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 click. It was like a fishing pole up to your, up to your ear. And I said, give me the name. We had landlines back then. I said, give me the name of your girlfriend and their landline that are on campus uh, here at the, at, the, at the college. So they gave me a list. I had about 15 names and about 20 guys right there in the, in the dorm. And the cool thing about the cordless phone with that antenna is if you connected the base antenna with an antenna on a stereo and you kind of like just pushed them together like that. And you tuned into like 93, 94 FM right in there. You could tune in to the same frequency as the phone and you could turn it up and you could hear both sides of the conversation on the stereo. So it was like speakerphone, but they didn't know you were on speakerphone. And so I went to the other room and 20 guys are in one of the dorm rooms. They're listening to both sides of the conversation. I take their names and I go up and I I begin to call. I call their numbers and I've got their names. And the first one was Michelle. And it rang, it was 11 o'clock at night, and when it rang, she answered, hello, she was already asleep, and I said, I would go through my little spiel, and I'd say, is Michelle there? I'd put on my DJ voice, is Michelle there? This is Michelle, this is Michelle. Hey, Michelle, Big Dave Cash here from Mix 102.9. Hey, every Wednesday night around 11 o'clock, we play a little game called Break Glass for Cash. If you can break glass in the next 30 seconds, Michelle, and we can hear it over the radio, you win $102.90, would you like to play? And what was crazy is these ladies lit up for the chance at $102.90. And all of a sudden, on that line, she'd go, yeah, let me try and find something. And you'd hear her running around her dorm room looking for glass. And all of a sudden, you hear, okay, can you hear this? And as soon as that happened I've got to find the cassette tape it is in our storage room storage unit somewhere it, you can hear through the cinder block wall all those guys And I said, she goes, did you hear it? I said, Michelle, you just won $102.90. And then I'd say, what's your favorite radio station? And I loved it. Every single one we called, 102.9. It was so great. They didn't even know what it was. And the way we'd end it, I'd say, hey, operators are standing by to get your information. Thanks for playing. Break glass for cash. All right, here, I'm going to connect you to the operator. Okay, Michelle? Okay, all Bye right, buh-bye. Click, and then we were done. We would go to the next line. So about 30 minutes in, eight or nine phone calls in, and I get a phone call from another dorm, and it's a woman RA, and she's like, Jeremy, somebody from Davis Hall is calling people, acting like a DJ, and they're breaking glass everywhere. Do you, can you get to the bottom of it? Do you know what's going on? And in that moment, you're a Christian, you're a leader, you're at a Christian university, you do exactly what you should do. You lie. No, you don't, you don't. You don't lie. You just, you just act really, really naive. And I said, Oh man, tell me more. Seriously, whoa. We do need to get to the bottom of that. She's like, No, seriously, one of our girls cut her hand and she's at the ER. Yeah, I know. Okay, easy, easy. I felt the judginess from the Lufkin location. I just whooshes of judginess. Deal is, she went to the ER. I had psychology class with her the next day. She had nothing but a, I'm, I'm, I'm dying if I'm lying. She had nothing but a Band-Aid wrapped around her finger. Didn't even need stitches, but she went to the ER the dean of students calls me in the next day, and he's a big old boy, Vietnam vet, missing an eye and four fingers. His name was Tom, and, and, and he said, son, you got some explaining to do, and you know what I said to him? It seemed like a good idea at the, at the time, and here's what he said. I'll listen. i want you to bring me the tape, and he brought me the tape, and we played it because we had recorded the conversations, and he stopped it with his, uh, he stopped it with his well, he, he stopped it. I was going to say something stupid, but I he... <laughs> He said, he said to me, you're in big trouble, but that is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. He <laughs> said, but you are going to have to pay the emergency room bill because the mom is threatening to sue the school. And I said, well, okay. I had to pay. A, it was $500 emergency room bill for the little Scooby-Doo Band-Aid. It seemed like a good idea at the time. That's a long story for a short payoff, but let me just say it this way. I wonder if in our relationship circles it seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, I I wonder. It's just dating. Do you know that that just dating somebody can be just married to them for three years? Like, like you have to. Like, good intentions do not guarantee harmless actions. I've got good intentions. I'm dating someone who's not a Christ follower. I'm going to bring them to church with me. I'm going to be a missionary and I'm going to I'm going to date them. But I mean, they just I want to be there with. Be careful. Careful. Like, good intentions do not guarantee harmless actions. You don't got to date a a guy to win him to Jesus, okay? And let me tell you something, girls. If you ever date a guy and they say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, who cares what they say? It's about how they live, okay? There's a whole lot of people that can quote scripture. The devil quotes scripture, bless God. And there's a whole lot of people that say they're Christians, but their actions speak beyond what their words say, Okay. All right, number three, God can still work miracles in the midst of our dumb mistakes. Thank God for some, his miracles can still happen even though we have been dumb. Now, I know some of you may not call your mistake dumb. It may be more like a wound or a regret or a failure, and it doesn't feel like a mistake. I want to say to you, this was a dumb mistake in the scripture. And sometimes we have, we just, we do things, and it's a learning experience. And, and look at this, mistakes are learning opportunities or not. Like, like, you know, you, you know that there are people that can learn from their mistake. Never going to do that again. Never going to touch that hot plate again. And there are those that just have calluses all over their hands because they won't stop touching the hot plate. Like, you can learn from your mistakes or not. The choice is yours. It's like the young protege. Who, who has a few minutes with the executive in the corner office there in the high rise. And, and he's got a few minutes, he's interviewing him, and he, he asks him three simple questions. And the first question is, what did you do to get where you are? And the, the chief executive in the corner office says, well, I, I had to be uh, consistently making the right decisions. Making the right decisions, making the right decisions. And the next question the protege asks, he says, okay, well, how do you make right decisions? How do, you, how do you learn the successful art of making the right decisions? He says, well, you gotta, you got to get good experience at that. You just got to get the experience of making the right decisions. And the third question, he says, okay, well, how do you, how do you get the good experience? He says, oh, that's simple. You got to be making some bad decisions. Like that, that's the way it works. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. The, the, the question is, you know, I, love, I love this in the, in the book of Proverbs. The righteous man falls many times but gets back up. Notice it didn't say the sinful man. The man who doesn't read the Bible. The man who is far from God falls many times. It says the righteous man falls many times and gets back up. Can I say something to you? Following Jesus does not guarantee a mistake-free life. You're going to taste the bitterness in the pot. You're going to taste some poison. You're going to be hurt in this world. But you know what else? Not only our own mistakes, but... Mistakes allow God to regain the glory. When we start walking and are successful and everything we touch turns to gold, guess who we start thinking God is? Us. We're Midas. We got the Midas touch. We're able to do that. I can sell anything. I can do anything. I can communicate anything. I can make it happen, and I'm going to make it happen. And then when you can't happen, you say, well, God, why did you fail me? Mistakes Mistakes and even wounds in this life allow God to regain the glory. Allow us to, to, to slow down and just say, okay, God, you, you know. You, you know better than I. What, what do you want to teach me? This hurts, God. What, what do you want to say to me? Now, this next, this next point, this next point, um, this makes more sense in, in, in church circles, uh, but, but, but I, I think you're going to get it. If, if this is your first time in a long time back in church, just know that, 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 that this is something the church can tend to deal with. And here it is. It's not about the flower, It's not about the flour. This story isn't about actual flour. But churches these days want to make it about the flour. The flour is simply a physical component added to the stew. There is nothing inherently purifying about flour. Salt has a a preservative effect to it. Salt has an even purifying effect effect to it but flower doesn't have a purifying agent it's not sucking out the the poison it is simply an imagery that gets us to the payoff in just a moment but i don't i don't know how many churches can sometimes get this wrong and leaders and and well-meaning christians that if they see something on tv happen a certain way with a televangelist now they're chasing that flower they're chasing that flower Okay. They're, 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 they heard that if you pray louder, your prayers are answered more quickly. And so we got people praying louder, they're chasing the flower. Or if we do it this way, or if we pray in a certain posture, or if we say these words, or if we claim this, then the riches will come. Like, it's not about what you do, it's about what he does. We have to be consistently cautious not to overemphasize our part in this story and underemphasize the miracle-working power of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. So, so write it down this way: Do not minimize the work of God by overemphasizing the physical component. Your job is to participate, though. So, so, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Your job is not to always just let go and let God. OK? If you've been letting go and letting God, can I say something? Sometimes you do need to let go. Sometimes you do need to surrender. But there are other times where you hang on and you let God. (laughs) Like you hang on for dear life and you just let God. Or if he says let go, you let go. Or if he says hang on again, then you hang on again. You listen and you respond to the word of the Lord. If he says add, you add. Had Elisha said dump it out, they ought to dump it out. If he said... Add the flour, they say, well, a flour, no, 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 we need to add cumin. No, 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 you add what he says, add. You take away what he says, take away. You just do what God says do. And so our part is a divine partnership. There is no virgin birth without a physical womb. There is no the parting of the Red Sea with, without Moses extending the physical staff across the waters. There is no feeding of 5,000 without some little boy in his Happy Meal. There is a divine partnership that god wants to do but don't you think that it's all on you and your flower god's gonna use you god's gonna do it beside despite you but let's let god be god our part is the planting our part is the praying and the fasting and the humility and the watering and the chopping and the cooking and the serving like our part is part of it but his part is the supernatural His part is the change that takes place. He does the increase. His part is the freedom. His part is the grace and the hope and the transformation. We can only do so much with the information, but if you will allow God to take what you hear today and you say, God, apply it to my life, let me be a hearer and a doer of your word, there's something supernaturally transformative about the word of God as you apply it to your life. There's not enough amount of note-taking you could ever take to get yourself right with God, but as you take the notes of today's sermon and you say, God, would you... Put it in here and help me walk this out. It's amazing the supernatural activity of God that partners with your physical footsteps, how God can put both of those together. Two more and we're done. Number five, the miracle didn't happen until the moment it was needed. Many times, God's timing is not your timing. Mary and Martha are beside themselves. Their brother Lazarus is sick and they send message. And Jesus waits. He waits so long that Lazarus dies. And when he shows up, he's been dead for four days. Why didn't you show up? Why didn't you show up? Like Jesus knows, he's dealt with that. In fact, Jesus didn't say, why are you questioning me? Why are you challenging me on this? He He didn't correct them by saying, why didn't you show up here? Do you know what he does? You know what he does? He weeps with them. Jesus wept in that story. He understands when God doesn't operate on our timeline. And I want to say to you, it wasn't until they had set the table. It wasn't until they had already said grace, God bless his food to the nourishment of our bodies, and then it was poisonous. It wasn't until they had tasted and recoiled from the bitter taste. It was in the middle of them recoiling that God shows up. And he showed up in a moment, it was truly needed can i say something to you living for christ is the greatest thing you could ever surrender towards but it does not guarantee a life free from hurt in fact write it down god doesn't always save us from tasting the bitterness of this fallen world i stood up and received the offering at the nacogdoches location today and I know the piano player, and one of the vocalists, lost their son, tragically, surprisingly. They tasted the bitterness. And yet they, they trust God and they, they're working through it. And, and God is still using them. And God is, is helping lead your location in worship. But it doesn't mean... Listen, when you think you're alone and tasting bitterness... That's that's a trick of the enemy to think that you should just recoil and isolate yourself and you're the only one that's ever gone through this. No you're not. No you're not. You're not alone. There are a lot of people that are trusting God, but it doesn't mean that they haven't hurt, that they haven't in their bedroom at night cried out, "God, how could you let this happen?" And I want you to know, God would rather you say, "How could you let this happen?" than for you just to shut down and walk away and never trust him again. He he is strong enough and powerful enough and fatherly enough to not walk away from you when you need him most. But he doesn't always save you from the bitterness of this world. But he'll never leave you or forsake you. And he's with you always. And he was bruised. He was punished for our, for our sin. He knows what it's like to be hurt. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He he, he, he he even asked for God to take that cup that he was gonna have to drink on that day he went to the cross. He even asked God, oh God, take it. But no, 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 no. These people need to know, I know how they feel. I know what they're going through. But here's the good news. Here, here, here is all... We've come all this way, and if you don't get it, I've missed it. I didn't, I didn't do my part today. I, did, I, did, I didn't preach what I needed to preach today, if you don't get this last moment here. Number six, they could not remove the poison. They simply trusted in the added ingredient. You surrendering to Jesus does not guarantee a life without disappointment, regret, failure, and heartache. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Be sure of this. In this life, you will have sorrow. You will have troubles. Do you know the miracle here is not the flower? The miracle is that the people of God, the company of the prophets, after having choked almost to death, after tasting the poison, Elisha pours flour in the pot, and he says, bring your bowls back here. Bring your bowls back here. And one by one, they go to the same pot. And he dips it back out. He says, eat, eat. It's okay, eat. And they're going, they're, you know, Johnny is looking over at Sam saying, are you are you sure? I don't know, man. If, if we don't eat, I don't know, the bears. <laughs> no, no. You know what they did? They trusted the added component. They said, okay, we're going to trust the man of God. We're going to trust the man of God. Look at me. Look at me. Don't get that wrong. It, it's not about the man of God. This story is pointing to Jesus. and What Jesus will add to your bitter life can change everything. I can just see those Company of the Prophets, but they put the focus on the flower and a few, few weeks later they're going on hospital visitation because that's what they do when you're part of Bible college and one guy's praying over the sick and another guy's pouring flour around the hospital bed, you know, which is, this is really cool. No, you, add, you, you trust not the added ingredient of the flour, but the whole story shows us. Before Jesus even shows up in the New Testament, he's already there. He's saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm the added component. When you add me to your life, it's it's not about what I would ever take out of you. How many have been trying to quit this and stop this and kick this and, 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 don't do that. And how long has the church been all about behavior modification? Stop doing that. You ought not say that. You ought not do that. And I want to tell you, there's some things you probably ought not do. There's probably some things you ought stop doing. But I want to tell you, that will never get you just closer to God. It's always about adding more of Jesus. The more you add of Jesus, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more He adds into your spirit, the more He gives you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, the more you invite the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do in your life the more the poison goes away. Because the more you have of Jesus, you figure out he's all I need. We live in a culture that is full of poison. People trying to add into your life and your kids' lives. Parents, we cannot just wrap our kids in bubble tape and protect them. But what we can do is we can add we can add those prayers and we can add that life and we can add it's like well daddy did you do it that way I mean did you ever make this mistake and, and, and you, you feel struggling because man you know the way you lived is not the right example for your kids that doesn't disqualify you in fact your pain and your past performance that was negative actually can be used to glory, to give glory to God don't you let that disqualify you yeah daddy made some mistakes Daddy, Daddy lived in a way that I shouldn't have lived. But Jesus changes those things. And I don't want you to be just an old chip off of the block. I want Jesus to change you from the inside out. And in all locations, hear me, as your pastor, but as your friend. Jesus will change you from the inside out. up in a great home, but I grew up in a a season of the church where it was really performance driven, a lot of performance, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, behavior, 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 and it kind of caught up with me, And and I began to try and earn my salvation, I feel, unintentionally, but I tried, it's never about what I could do, it's about adding. hope you'll invite with open hands, Jesus, to add to your life. Would you close your eyes with me, all locations? If that's you and you need Jesus to add something to your life today, to add hope, to add peace, to add forgiveness, if that's you, would you just put a hand right up in the air? You're saved or you're unsaved. You need Jesus or you just need a touch from Jesus. I just need God to add to my life today. In your own words, you just say, oh, Jesus, fill me up. Would you place the components in my life, the ingredients that I need to to offset the bitterness that I've tasted? I want to taste and see that you are good. I don't feel very good right now, but I know you're good, and so I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to walk with you. And I'm not going to let this hurt, this regret, this failure, this hurt, this poison, this pain define me. I'm going to let you add to my life. Because you are able to do above and beyond. Way more than I could ask or imagine you can add to my life. And I pray that you would add today. For those of you with heads bowed and eyes closed, you need to add Jesus to your heart. You've never invited him, or maybe it's been a real long time and you've simply drifted from him. And you feel like you'd like to have him back in the center of your life. Ask him, just ask him. He's not mad at you. He doesn't have his arms crossed with you. His arms are wide open waiting for you. He's waiting for this moment. Reach out to him right now with your words. Just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, give me. Would you give me a firm footing now? I'm sorry for trying to do it on my own. It, it, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I want you, I want you to lead me and guide me and add to my life. Thank you, Jesus, for this moment to make things right with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.